You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Now with that in mind, the title of my message today is Let Freedom Ring. Let freedom ring. And I want you to just lift your hands one more time. I just feel the spirit of the Lord in this meeting. Father, I thank you today that you are clothing your people with freedom. Father, all those who have come in and they're in chains, not chains that a man can see with their natural eyes, but but chains on their heart, chains on their thinking, shackled to something that you are desiring to free them of. Father, I thank you that a spirit of freedom is here. The word of the Lord is where the spirit of the Lord is, where God's presence is, and it's here today. There is freedom. There is liberty. Holy Spirit, do your work across this building as I speak, Father. Unlock padlocks. Cut chains off people. Father, those who have come in heavy and burdened and oppressed, Jesus, just like you have said, you said, you said you came to set the oppressed free, to set the captive free. Do your work here today, Lord. Do your work here in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. It's a good starting point, Pastor Quatcher. All right, let freedom ring. Now, in my, uh, in my becoming as an American citizen, I had to learn a lot of American history, and it's my favourite because America is quite a young nation, but they've done everything. They've experienced everything. It's, America is so extra. I mean, in, in not even 300 years, look at all the things that have taken place. Like we had a civil war, we had a war of independence, the, the, the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Um, Americans, are the spirit over this land, are, we are born freedom fighters. Born freedom fighters. There's something special about America. But in my, in my research and learning of American history, and I don't know everything, but I would gauge, I could probably go toe-to-toe at least with a fourth grader, (laughs) on American history. I learned about the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Did you know that the Liberty Bell, ironically, was a gift from the English 25 years before the Revolutionary War and America would actually become independent? I don't know that America, uh, sorry, England really thought it through when they sent from the foundry in London this epic bell that would hang in the towers in Philadelphia and ring across the land with a scripture written on it, Leviticus 25.10, proclaim freedom to the inhabitants of the land and its people. I mean, what were they thinking? (laughs) They were prophesying the freedom of the very land that they were trying to be overlords of. Think it through, England, think it through. But here's here's the point I want to make. I tell you this story because I want to make a point. When you come to Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter 6, those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. And I want to tell you today, when you come to Christ, God gives you his gift of freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from your past, Freedom from the whole, every hold that the devil ever had on your soul. But like America, when they were gifted the Liberty Bell and still yet not free, 
There are many Christians where they come to Christ and they're given the gift of freedom, but freedom still remains symbolic in their life because there's still still many areas where they're living in bondage and captivity to the devil. Today I want to talk about how we are to let freedom ring in our personal lives. How how do we live free as a Christian? I, I want to ask you today, are you are you trapped? Do you feel in captivity or bondage to a habit or a sin or a lifestyle or a negative thought pattern that is robbing you? Because that wasn't the portion that Jesus died to give you. He's given you freedom. Maybe today you're not living in freedom in every area of your life. Well, I just want to give you some practical points that are kind of interweaved with a little bit of American history because of the day we're in to help you on your journey of living free. Can somebody say amen? Amen, 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 Leanne. All right. The first point I want to give you is, is this. We've got to first acknowledge that we're not living in freedom. What areas are you still in captivity? Came to a point in, in America's life while they were still under the governance and control of the British crown where they had to say, hang on a second. This isn't the kind of life we want to live. We, we don't want to live under this control of a tone-deaf nation that is an entire ocean away that has no idea of the, the individual needs and, and wants and we're being overtaxed and not represented. Taxation without representation. So I love the American spirit and I believe it's the spirit of the Lord. Freedom was God's idea. Where they went, then sent the Declaration of Independence. In other words, like a notification of we aren't going to be your slaves no more. We're going to be captive to your control anymore. And they sent a, a, an intent of, of warfare and independence to the British. And everything shifted. But I want to ask you this question today. Have you acknowledged the places of your life where you're not living free? I know from my own personal experience, listen, I grew up in church. I got saved as a 12-year-old. At 17, I went into, got married and then went into ministry. But there were still areas of my life where I wasn't free. And can I tell you, sometimes it's easier to hide in church. And it's easier to hide in ministry. Because you can, oh, you can put all the shine up there and have the three-piece suit and, and you can have the look of, and sometimes in churches, there's a lot of pressure because of a religious culture, which is the antithesis of freedom, to look a certain way. Don't, don't let people see what's in the, in, on the inside. Just, just look polished and put together. But God doesn't buy any of that baloney. The Bible tells us that God does not see with man's eyes. For God has x-ray vision. He sees right into your heart. And he sees the areas of your heart that you haven't acknowledged, wow, I am still captive to something that is robbing me. This was the position that I found myself in. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I had an encounter with God that was probably one of the most profound encounters with God in my entire life when I was about 23 years of age. My husband and I had moved from New Zealand to Australia and we were now part of a C3 church in Sydney. 
And up until that point, I'd managed to kind of hide my captivity well. I managed to hide those handcuffs. I, I managed to really well hide that prison garb, you know, the, the striped uniform uh, or the orange jumpsuit, depending on uh, which era you're speaking into. And uh, my husband and I were, were part of a healthy church and at a particular time, my husband was sick and he was at home and there was a pastors and leaders event that we were both supposed to attend. And Jürgen's like, babe, I can't go, I'm too sick. I'm like, oh, that's fine, babe. I'll stay home and take care of you then. We'll just both stay home. It's like, no, babe, you need to go. You need to represent the Metesiuses. I'm like, no, no, I, I refuse to go uh, like into an intimidating environment like that around pastors and leaders. I'm just like a little 23-year-old. I, I didn't even graduate high school. I don't know anything. I, I still, you know, like I can't do this. And what had come to the surface was the fact that I was really crippled and in bondage and captivity to a spirit of fear, a spirit of intimidation and a fear of being rejected. I wasn't living in freedom. I was a Christian. I certainly looked like one. I could quote scriptures in the Bible, but I was living in a prison of fear. But my husband, who doesn't let sleeping dogs lie, insisted that I go, even though I was like, oh, no, I feel like I'm coming down with something too. <clears throat> it's the black lung, pop. You know, he, he, he made me go. And I'll never forget sitting in the car, looking in, this particular meeting was being held in a venue called the Fishbowl that was completely made of glass. I could see in, they could see out. And as I pulled up into the parking lot, I looked inside and I saw a whole bunch of really intimidating people. Pastors and leaders from all around the city and they all looked like they were having fun, talking to each other. They had their own, you know, like groups and conversations. They were laughing and chatting and eating and socialising. And I remember sitting in the car and I was watching them from the car like some kind of strange stalker, afraid to go inside because of my fear of being rejected. But if I, if I go in there and nobody talks to me, how can I live with that God? I, I was so in bondage to fear. I remember the Lord saying to me something similar to what he said to the prophet Elijah when he was hiding in the cave. He said, what are you doing here, Leanne? This isn't freedom. This is bondage. How long are you going to allow yourself to be captive to this spirit of fear? And things didn't change overnight, but they did change as I got honest with God about the areas of my life that I was still captive. So I want you to ask the Lord the same question today. Maybe you're here and you're still captive to something. Maybe it's not fear and intimidation like it was for me, but maybe it's something else. A lifestyle, a habit. Maybe it's some kind of anxiety, some kind of thought pattern that has you captive and is robbing from you. This spirit was robbing from me. It was having me run out of rooms that I was called to occupy. It had me running away from my destiny in God and not to it. If you can ask yourself the question that King David asked the Lord in Psalm 137, oh God, search me, know me, test my every anxious, fearful, intimidated, messed up, broken, dysfunctional thought and see that there be no offensive way within me and then lead me. 
God will always lead you out of prison. When you let him, he will break every lock that looks like it is unbreakable. But you've got to be honest with God. You cannot pretend. And we're good at pretending in church, aren't we? But we don't have that culture here. This is a transparent culture where we are going to lead you to Jesus, the ultimate liberator who can break down every prison cell that you may find yourself in. But you've got to be honest. America had to acknowledge the fact that we don't like this. We don't want to live in the confinement and the cell of control. We're going to stand up and we're going to do something about it. It's time, men and women of God, to acknowledge on this Freedom Sunday, the 4th of July, where every American is celebrating independence, freedom, where it's not just a celebration of something that happened in a nation, but a celebration of something that God wants to do in you, in Jesus' name. Acknowledge the areas that you're not living in freedom. The second thing we need to do as we make freedom not just a symbol in our lives, but a gift, a reality that we live, is we've got to know the law of the land. The law of the land in the USA is the Constitution. And 2020 showed us those who knew their Constitution and those who didn't. And the ones who didn't know were being exploited. They had their freedoms taken from them. In fact, Pastor Jürgen, fun fact, fun little story. Pastor Jürgen had lunch with one of our county supervisors this week, one of the good ones. It's a mixed bag in there, just going to say. And he said to Jürgen, you know, Jürgen, your name and Awaken Church is a curse word in the, name of, in, in the mouth of some of our county supervisors because they tried everything they could to shut your church down but they knew they couldn't because you knew your constitution. You were protected by the constitution. What's that devil? Ah, sorry. We have this thing, it's called the First Amendment. The corrupt powers that be in this nation know that if they can get rid of the Constitution, that they can get rid of our freedom and have us in chains again. True for the corrupt powers in the USA today that are in governance, even more true for the devil. Now, what is the law of the land that we live by as believers? It's the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, you're going to be vulnerable to the devil's exploitation. You're going to be vulnerable to his attack and you're going to settle for a life that God sent Jesus to die that you could be freed from. You're going to be living with things that you were never meant to live with because you don't know the law of the land. You want to be free, you've got to know the truth. You know what this is? It's a book of truth. It's a ferocious sword to cut down every lie of the enemy. And if you don't know this book, the truth of this word, you cannot, it is impossible for you to live in freedom and the devil will exploit you as sure as the day is long. So I'd say to you, if you're not reading this book, please start. Please take time out of your every day to grab a hold of this book 
how, how, ask yourself this question. In the book of Matthew chapter number four, where we see Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. How did he overcome the devil? With, with positive thoughts and good wishes? With, with little hashtags? With a meme? He came against the attack of the enemy and resisted the devil by saying, it is written. Do you know what is written today? Because in your lifetime, the enemy is going to come with shackles trying to get you into bondage. And if you don't know the word, you're going to be vulnerable to his exploitation. I remember as a young, a young mum, when my husband was traveling, he used to travel to minister quite a few weekends out of our year. And it felt like every time he would go away to minister, the devil would just go jackrabbit crazy in our family, like just like turn everything into chaotic. And the kids would get sick and the dog would run away and there'd just be drama and chaos. And, you know, I said to myself, well, I guess it's just the price I have to pay because my husband's on the front lines. And there were so many things I accepted because I didn't know the truth. And I remember one evening, like in the early hours of the morning, it was like 2 a.m., having to rush my son Tommy to, to the ER because he couldn't breathe. He had to be put on a nebulizer coming back. My, my son Ash was vomiting everywhere and I was like scrubbing vomit at 3 a.m. in the morning, thinking, like, this can't be God. This can't be your portion for me. And he said, Leanne, you've been believing a lie. You're accepting captivity in this area because you, you don't know the truth of my word to understand what my real portion is for you. And I, and I started to, like, put my back up and put my spiritual military garb on. And I went downstairs and I got communion and I started to take communion and I declared the Scripture in Luke that says, God, you have given me all authority over the power of the enemy. And I pushed back and I said, you know what? The Bible says that when I pray for the sick, they will recover. When I pick up a serpent, my gosh, I'll be able to trample those things. If I drink anything poisonous, it will by no means harm me. So devil, I'm not gonna let you exploit me anymore. It is written. Amen. I want to ask you today, do you know the law of the land? Which means you're going to have to take time daily, daily. Give us this day our daily bread. And a lot of Christians are being taken advantage of because they don't know the word and they don't know the word because they can think they can get through life without it. You, you can't get through your Christian life well on the verse of the day that gets texted to you. I'm just going to be honest. It's going to be helpful. Look, it's, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But, but when, you, when you get this and you digest it, this, this word is alive. It is living and active, the Bible says. And faith will come into your life when you read it. When you read, my gosh, I'm reading just even in, in the first four chapters of Mark. It's astounding. Are we believers? In the first four chapters of Mark, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man, raises a mother-in-law from her sick bed so she can get up and cook dinner for him. Nice. He heals a paralytic that is brought down through the ceiling. 
He calms a storm. Like, my gosh, he feeds multitudes of people. This is the first four chapters. And then we still walk out, well, I'm not sure. I don't know if God can do it. Because you don't know what is written. What is written? What is written? Do you know the law of the land today? Get the law of the land in your heart so when the devil comes at you, you come back at him. Devil, it is written. Amen. Somebody give God a shout. You've got to know the law of the land. And don't be, there, there will be warfare over your quiet time. As sure as the day is long, it happens to me daily. Oh, there's so many things I need to do. Oh my gosh. And it feels like the Bible is like, even though it's an arm stretch away, like it's almost too far. But, but the phone's closer. And that text message and those little errands that you never even thought about till you sat down to read your Bible, all of a sudden become perilously important. Understand it is a strategic, insidious attack of the enemy. He wants to distract you. Because he knows if he can steal the word, the seed of the word from your heart. Think about the parable of the sower. The sower went to sow the seed. When the seed fell on good soil, it produced. When you get the word of God in your heart, it produces. And the devil is invested in your life not being productive. And you're not multiplying. And you're not hearing the word of God as it penetrates the soil of your heart. And it bringing forth a harvest. So that's why he'll do everything and throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, to get you distracted from your time with the Lord. It is the most important thing you will do with your day. It's got to the point where Pastor Jürgen and I schedule nothing for the first few hours of our day because we know the greatest pastors we can be, the greatest spouses we can be, the greatest friends, the greatest parents we can be is because of that time we spend in the Word of God every day. Find your secret quiet place with God. And when the devil comes in with his distraction, don't pay attention to him. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. We've got to know the law of the land. It is written. Do you know what's written? Maybe today you're being exploited like I was as a young mum simply because you just don't know God's word. You don't know his promises concerning you and your family and you're tolerating a whole bunch of stuff that God doesn't want you to tolerate. The Bible tells us that God's people perish because of a lack of knowledge. God's people, not, not, not people that don't know God. It's a given that, that their lives are jacked up. But God's people, my people, the Bible says, par- perish because of what they don't know. And it's here. And on this Freedom Sunday, know that there were pilgrims that immigrated from England because they wanted to fight for religious freedom so you could have this without persecution. Oh my gosh, this last season, the devil has been working hammer and tong to make this hate speech. It's time to stand up, Christian, because this is the differentiating factor of whether you're in chains or out of them. In chains or out of them. Do you know the law of the land? Do you know the law of the kingdom? Jesus said, my sheep know the sound of my voice and a stranger's voice, they will not follow. Many people are vulnerable because simply because they don't know the voice of their good shepherd. Know the law of the land. 
third point, and that's the music. So I guess I'm, I may not get it through all my points, which is a first. Usually that's Pastor Jürgen. <laughs> so exciting. Point number three, enlist the help of others. In the War of Independence, America did not fight alone. In fact, it's said that America would not have been liberated. The war would not have been won, but for the French. Oh yes, we owe a great debt of gratitude to the French. Now, notwithstanding, they probably fought in that war more because they hated England than they loved us. However, we will take help where it comes. But the war turned, the war turned when the French got engaged. And they turned up and Thomas Paine said this, he said, in the time that was testing and wearying and fatiguing of all men, the French turned up and they brought with them firepower. Firepower, they bought guns, field guns, they bought gunpowder, they bought ammunition, they bought money, they resourced it in the beginning covertly, but then they came in all their resplendent French glory and whipped that victory home. True for the war for independence, true for you and I when it comes to freedom. We can't do it alone. In fact, one of the most profound principles of the Alcoholics Anonymous program is the understanding that every person who wants to live in freedom needs a sponsor, needs a helper. The Bible puts it this way in Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one. That's why the devil worked so hard in 2020 to get everybody isolated. Yeah. And do you know why um, isolation is bad? Because we were not meant to be, like it's impossible. There are some messes that you get yourself into that you're going to need other people to help you get out of. I wish it weren't so, but I've, I've been there. And at risk of telling too many stories about myself and, and seeming wildly dysfunctional, which I probably am, but I'm just condensing everything into a 35-minute story. I remember as, again, a younger woman, I make all the stories from many, many years ago, many, many moons ago. I'm sure I've got some recent ones, but they're still... We'll wait. You'll hear those in about 10 years. <laughs> Need some distance between them. I was in ministry, I'd been in ministry for about four years and long story short, I was so disillusioned with ministry, with pastors, with Christians, with the church. And I think for me, I, I had gone into ministry at the age of 17 with such huge expectations of what it would look like. And I had stars in my eyes and reality set in really quickly particularly when I experienced an abuse of power in the leadership over me. And can I just qualify this by saying today, wherever you get people, you get immaturity. There is immaturity in leadership. You may even see it here, and I'm sorry, but wherever there's people, you're gonna get immaturity, immature people. You're gonna get an abuse of power wherever leadership is. So I want you to understand that today. But because I, I still had no root really in myself, I was still working things out, and was very juvenile in my thinking and my faith, it hit me so deeply. And I, I became very wounded and disillusioned. And I became captive, I would say, to a spirit of grief. I was deeply wounded by the things that were done to me, said to me, and I allowed that wound to grow. And any wound we leave untreated is, is now open prey or vulnerable to the devil. The devil's like a vulture. 
He hangs around dead carcasses and wounded, decaying things to come in. And that's exactly what happened to me. So after four years of being in ministry and not allowing the Lord to heal my broken heart, and the Lord is a healer of a broken heart, but you've got to submit, you've got to lay on the flipping gurney. You've got to allow yourself to be on that table, y'all. Too many of us jump off early and we got, and it's embarrassing because you've got that robe on that has no back. Everybody sees your butt, right? Stay on the gurney till the surgery is done. It <laughs> is a good word. Thank you, Holy Ghost. See, he's got a sense of humour. So I was wounded and, I, and as a result, I had become a person I wasn't. I was captive to this spirit of grief. So my husband's normally positive, bubbly, joyful, sociable wife who loved people all of a sudden was the complete opposite. And there were times just before the end of my freedom encounter where I would get so tormented because of this spirit of grief and the hopelessness that I was living in that I would just scream, like a scream of torment, like I hate my life. I was in prison to a spirit of grief because of an encounter with man. My husband knew this was bigger than the both of us. He looked at a wife who was normally chirpy and all of a sudden, you know, the sunshine has, had gone out of her life. He's like, I don't know what to do with you. So he called another pastor in our city and he said, wow, Jürgen, it's ironic. I was praying for you and your family. And I felt the Lord say to me that I was to pray for your wife and, and deliver her. There was an altercation that happened and she got very wounded. And as a result, a spirit of grief has settled on her. I wanna come and pray for her freedom. We met at a restaurant and it was a, a public place. And the minute I walked to the table and saw his face, sometimes when you see a kind, warm, welcoming face, you just cry and you don't know why. So it was just like a weirdo turning, in, turning up to a restaurant, seeing a face I'd never seen before, but I could see Jesus on him. I could see freedom on him. And I just started to cry. And we sat across from each other and he just said, Leanne, stretch out your hand. This was our first meeting. This pastor's name is Brent Douglas from Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you, Brent. If you ever get to hear this, you changed my life. And he said, Leanne, just stretch out your hand. And he put his hand on my hand and he said, I take authority over this spirit of grief right now. You wicked tormentor. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you and I tell you, get off her life. And I declare freedom to this young woman today. I declare she is a free woman. I, and I pray right now that she ex experiences the lift, that we lift off that burden of grief and the sadness and the sorrow and the torment in Jesus' name. And instantly, I, I tell you no word of a lie, I went from crying in the torment of that grief to laughing with the joy of the Lord. I went from crying to laughing with one prayer. It was like I was in a prison of grief. Jesus came in through the help of our friend, Pastor Brent, unlocked the door and out I came and I was living as a free person. And I've got to tell you, I, I've not looked back. I have not one ounce of bitterness or resentment for what happened to me. There is a level of sadness that somebody would treat another person that way. However, I'm not in bondage anymore. Amen. You can be free. But, but sometimes you need somebody else. You need a Pastor Quatcher. You need a Pastor Morgan Irvin. You need some of the leaders in this church to try to, to take you to the place of freedom that you can't get on your own. You can't get on your own. You've got to enlist the help of others.
America needed France. They may not want to admit it now, but they did. And the reason that war was won, because they received the help of others. True for America, true for us. Enlist the help of others. And we're going to come to a close. I'd love it if you just close your eyes, lift your hands. I want to say this to you, to you today. Once you've experienced that freedom, you are to maintain that freedom. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then. What does that mean? Maintain your position, son, daughter of God, and do not let yourselves, did you see that? Let yourselves. The devil can only make you a slave again if you let him. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. How do we do this? Protect your borders. Once America had established its independence from Britain, they set up borders, strong borders. And they had a lookout on every single one of those borders. And trust me, if they saw that Union Jack coming, they were ready, ready to fight back, ready to maintain their position of freedom. I want you to understand today, the way we keep our freedom is the way we got it. When we daily come to the Lord, not, not just when your life's in a crisis and you feel like you're locked in a prison, but we daily come to the Lord and say, oh God, search me and know me. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians not to let the sun go down on our sin, not to let the sun go down on our wounds, not to let the sun go down on our wrath. Why? Because you, you need to deal with in, in a day so it doesn't fester. And every day you come to the Lord and you present to Him all the areas where the enemy is trying to get you captive again and you say, Father, I thank You that I'm a free person. I'm not burdened or captive to a spirit of unforgiveness. I'm not burdened or captive to bitterness or grief, this sin issue, this habit, this lifestyle. Father, I thank You that I am free. Those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.